Hello, Griever. Today, you have found one of my many episodes that I call Down the Rabbit Hole. Because in these episodes, all I do is really discuss things that are either on my mind or possibly things that I'm going through or have been through in hopes that if I share them with you, either you'll learn something, I will, or maybe we both will. Today, I'm going to discuss the first year. If you're new to this podcast and haven't listened to any other episodes, it stands that I should probably tell you that I'm just past four years, actually four years and four months since the loss of my 21-year-old son, Alex, to suicide. So I'm going to go back to the first year and talk a little bit about survival, a little bit about the things that I did, maybe talk some about the things that I didn't do, kind of a, did I do anything right? And if I could give any advice to anyone listening that may be in their first days, weeks, or in that first year some somewhere that you could glean something from this or cling to something from this um, that might in some way be of a help. In the beginning, in the very first hours, days, and weeks, I think somewhere in my mind I probably knew that I was in survival mode, but not to the extent that I do now that I look back. We are completely in survival mode in the beginning, and that's fine. That's why it's called that. It's meant to help us survive the unsurvivable, the unimaginable. And so we do that and we go through that. But what I would encourage you to do if you're in survival mode right now, or if you're helping somebody who is, is know that you need support. And I'm going to tell you that looking back, I want to encourage you to seek two kinds of support as soon as possible and as often as possible. And the way I see those two kinds of support is you need support from your family and friends, some the closest people to you, but you also need to seek support from somebody on the outside that understands what you're going through. That means finding somebody that understands the loss of a loved one, even someone possibly with the same relationship you had to your loved one. So in my case, it would have been to find someone who lost a child to suicide. It would have been if, if, you know, it was one of my children, I should have possibly put them in touch with another sibling that had lost a sibling to suicide. And I will put some of these links in today's show notes, but almost every major area in the country has an American Foundation for Suicide Prevention chapter. And that's a really good place for somebody in your circle to make a phone call to and see if they have somebody that can come visit the family at home to provide that support. Because I'm going to tell you that even if you don't know you need it, and I didn't know I did. Um, sorry, taking the Going back to the first days and weeks um, takes you back there. So it's hard to get through a little bit sometimes. I'll take a deep breath. Um, I didn't know I needed that kind of support. And that's one of the regrets I have is that there was not anybody around me that um, knew better. It wasn't that anybody um, misled or was trying not to provide that support because 
I was lucky to have some really good family and friends, but we were all going through the pits of hell together. We had all lost Alex. And so we needed some external support of people that were one, not in our circle and not feeling the immediate emotion of Alex's loss, but we needed people that could empathize with us on a level that here's that fortunately, unfortunately thing where fortunately, a lot of other people didn't understand our loss. Unfortunately, we needed somebody that did. So that's kind of my advice for the initial survival period, because with the fact that all you're doing is trying to get through it, there's not a lot else that I can tell you besides truly do what you need to do as far as self-care. You may sleep more than you need to sleep. You may not sleep at all. Sleep was hard for me. Um, I probably could nap some during the day when I needed to at a certain point, but sleep at night has eluded me for almost four and a half years now. So um, some of those things you just have to take as they come. But then as you go into the months after, once you get past that initial time and all of the extra people have gone away and the extra meals are gone and people are kind of getting back to their life and it's just you, that's when I would encourage you to seek out an actual support group and a support system that isn't just an emergency mode, that is somewhere that you can go on a regular basis. Everybody's different. Some people need counseling. Some people, you know, respond well and or better to support groups. Um, and, you know, I would be happy to do my absolute best to put anybody in touch with support groups in their area. I have a decent network built up. And if somebody is listening to this and seeking out a support group or how they start, um, please reach out through my um, links in my on my especially on my Instagram page, and I will help you in any way I possibly can. Um, Something else that I would advise against because I did it and I wish I hadn't, which is make some major life decisions within the first year. And don't get me wrong. I knew that I wasn't supposed to like six, seven months after Alex was gone, we made a major decision to sell one company and buy another. And I told myself that because we had been talking about it before Alex passed, that it wasn't really a new decision. But here's the thing that I want somebody to listen to if you're in your first year is looking back. First of all, that was a, it was a horrible decision um, because my decision making capabilities were not what I thought they were. I always thought I could, you know, just pick myself up and go on. And don't get me wrong. I didn't think I was just going on, but I felt like I could separate out my business decisions from my personal life. And the problem was, is I had yet to understand the magnitude of how much I had permanently changed and how many things about me and what I thought and how I was going to process my life from here on out um, differently that I wasn't able to make the decisions based on the same things that would have been important to me before. And I know that might sound a little convoluted, but just trust me when I say stay away from any major decisions the first year, if at all possible, because what's the worst that can happen if you feel the same way after that year's passed and you're starting to get your feet under you and the decision still falls right, then, then make it by all means. But I'll just tell you that I've always felt, pretty in control and pretty 
strong, if that's the word that we can even apply to this. And I thought that we would be fine. And it was looking back, I shouldn't, we should never have made those decisions. Now, you know, life's resilient, we can always make another decision. But that's just for what it's worth, something that I would offer. Um, another thing that I can offer is that I need to say the words that this isn't going to get any better. Um, it will get easier. And I, I know that one's even hard to believe. Um, you're never, ever going to be the same person that you were before. That's just what it is. I think I spent the first year kind of somewhere in my mind thinking that I would get back to my old self at some point. Like it wasn't a conscious thought, but it was a thought. And the reality is by year two, probably well into year two heading towards year three, I realized that that was part of what I was still fighting and that I just had to accept the fact that I was different in many ways. And that was just going to be the case. And so it was about getting to know my new self. So don't try to get to know yourself so much in the first year, just know that you're going to have to. And knowing that you may not bring everybody along that was currently in your life before that there could be some changes in your personal life and how that's structured and even some of the people that's in it and not trying to reckon with that all at once, but knowing that it may exist that with along with tragedy comes change. And that could be in more than one area of your life. I'm going to kind of wrap this up a little bit today by briefly visiting the school of thought of the old uh, the, the Kubler-Ross grief school where there was these stages of grief that you have to go through. And if you're in the midst of your first year of grief, I want you to be free of the idea that there are stages you're going to work through because grief is not linear. It's non-ending and all of your emotions need to be felt and they're not going to be felt in a neat orderly fashion and you're not going to get to the end of them and just say it's over. Um, I do think for, you know, there are certain things about grief that are, um, universal, um, whether you call it shock or denial, which were part of the original model, I call that part of survival. I mean, being in shock and being in denial are, are synonymous in a, in a major tragedy, which that's when you're in survival mode and you're going to be angry and feel guilt at times, especially with a suicide death. And they used to talk about depression as a stage and, Everybody doesn't get depressed. Everybody feels sadness. And the need to try to fix sadness is something that I think has spawned me to want to have this podcast because I want to normalize grief as an experience and normalize sadness and let it live right next to happiness. Um, you can't have happiness without sadness. And we shouldn't spend so much energy trying to get over sadness it serves a purpose and it helps us heal and it helps us remember. And so make space for yourself to honor all of your emotions and don't spend all of the time that you're feeling sad, feeling like that means there's something wrong with you. How is there something wrong with you? Sadness 
is just, especially grief, grief is an expression of the love that we had for the person that's gone. So it's not going to go anywhere, um, just like our love isn't going to go anywhere. So when it shows up, honor it, give it space, give yourself space and time to feel it. And then when happiness shows up, do the same thing, allow it to be there and give it space too. And with suicide loss, especially in the case of suicide loss from a child, one of the things I've had to understand along the way as part of my permanence or acceptance um, part of my grief is that those two are going to live beside each other for the rest of my life, that they will never be completely, at least happiness for me may never be completely independent of sadness being in the background, but that's okay. Um, so just to summarize for me, what I would do again is, is surround myself with people that loved me. I was very lucky that way. I would take as much time off work as you possibly can. Everybody's situation's different, but if you have the chance to ease yourself back into it, I would do that. That's something I did and was able to do. Um, wouldn't do agains or would advise somebody else to be careful of is the making big decisions, not getting outside support. That's something I didn't do and wish I had. I did eventually, but I didn't do it early enough. And my self-care rituals kind of sucked. So if you're not good at self-care either, look at somebody that you love and say, help me be better at my self-care because I will be better for this in the long run. I need to revisit something just really quick here before I finish and let you know that when I said a few minutes ago that it wasn't going to get any better, but that it would get easier. And I know I also told you that you will be different. I wanted to let you know that you will be okay and that you can be happy again. When I was where you are, I needed somebody that had gone before me to tell me that that was possible. So please know that even though I didn't think it was possible either, it is. So that's all I think I have on this today. Please know that if you're a part of this suicide loss grief community, I hold a space for you in my heart. I truly do. And I think only through talking and having real, meaningful, hard conversations are we going to get anywhere. Take care of yourself. We'll talk soon. Bye.